Oh boy. Okay, go ahead. I mean, before I heard anything, I told Waleed, I honestly don't care what you guys have to say. That's the greatest compliment we've ever gotten. <laughs> it fits in with the theme. And why does it fit in with your theme? Hey, y'all. You're listening to the Nobody Cares Podcast, hosted by Omar Usman and Adam Tafiki. Yeah! That voice you heard? That was Brother Thahir. And he wasn't even supposed to be on the podcast. But more on that later. Welcome to episode two of the Nobody Cares Podcast. If you missed episode one, Nobody Cares About Your Chutbah, check the show notes for the link to that. In this episode, we'll be talking about what makes a good burger and what makes a burger halal. And we've got two very special guests in this episode, so make sure you listen to it all the way through. If you have any comments or feedback, you can send Adam or myself a message on Twitter or Instagram. We'll link to those in the show notes as well. Uh, But this episode... It all started with a tweet. So, Adam, do you remember where you were when you read the tweet? I was at work. I was at work when I read the tweet. And what did you think when you read it? What was the first thing that went through your mind? Like, what's going on? Like, I just... Anger, I guess. Really? Yes. I was angry. Did it derail your work day? It did. It did. Because I spent half an hour just focusing on this issue that shouldn't be an issue to be focused on. And all because of me. And all because of you. Yes. Thank you, Omar. So, the tweet in question was a burger power ranking. And in the... Well, there was the initial tweet, but then there was an aftermath. I read your initial tweet, too, and that made me angry as well. Also... Because you're... Because you're... Yeah. Because uh, your order was wrong. My power rankings were Shake Shack, In-N-Out, Five Guys, Whataburger. And you had beef with this, pun fully intended, because... Because <laughs> Five Guys should be number one. All right. Like, bar none, Five Guys should be number one. Okay. That's fine. That's a legitimate... Uh, difference of opinion so to speak but the aftermath had a bigger problem yes which you make a left turn here okay oh oh okay i see which way you're going all right i'm not even gonna bother cutting this out of the podcast okay so in the aftermath uh someone tweeted at me saying that a particular halal restaurant in dallas and i'm not going to name names uh if you'd like to sponsor the podcast you can reach out to us uh if you want your name mentioned or name dropped uh but nobody really cares uh that this particular halal institution had a better burger uh than all the ones that i had listed and i said okay if you really want to get into nice burgers there's another place here called hop dotty which i think we are in agreement Mm -hmm. yep hop dotty is the best burger in dfw yes okay so no difference there but that's on a higher... That's a higher price point burger. But they said that... Or this individual tweeted at us saying that this halal restaurant was better than Hop Dottie. And then he proceeded to tag a number of friends who also brought forth their supporting testimony <laughs> that this particular burger at this place was better. Uh, now, you had an interesting response to this, <laughs> which I'll let you uh, elaborate on. I basically... 
uh, I basically tagged or, or, or saved an image of a review of this rest said restaurant uh, from a few years ago on based Yelp. on Yelp, um, which is a pretty reputable, you know, review place for food. And they wanted to give this same restaurant a negative rating because of just the cleanliness of the place. Uh, they observed certain things that happened with the restaurant worker and what they had done, and body um, parts they had touched before body the parts food. they had touched and trash they had taken out before they had made the food without washing their hands and without gloves. Um, that uh, that really uh, I, I can't understand why why people would want to eat at this place. And we should say this was not like a random weirdo on the internet having visited and patronized said restaurant mm-hmm. neither one of us found this review to actually be very su- surprising nope i was uh when actually when i first read that a, a, a couple of years ago i was like oh yeah like sounds about right sounds about right like yeah okay in any case uh we both fully think that we're being trolled yes uh by this individual on twitter uh but you know, for the sake of this podcast that no one's listening to, we're going to go and try it anyway. Uh, so we're going to go, we're going to sit down, we're going to try this restaurant. Uh, I mean, we've tried the restaurant, but we're going to try this particular burger, and we'll let you know what we think. I'm going to interject here for a second with a crucial life skill. How to read, process, and understand online reviews of halal restaurants. See, there's not really any one place that you can go to get an adequate representation of how customers feel about a restaurant. If you go to a place like Zabiha.com, for example, you'll find a lot of people with unrealistic expectations that weren't met. These are basically people walking into something that's the equivalent of a McDonald's or a Burger King and expecting five-star service. Uh, So a lot of the reviews there are going to be people that are you know turned off by one little thing and so they give it one star or they had one bad experience and they just kind of killed the whole restaurant on the other hand there's a number of halal establishments that are reviewed on yelp and it's the same problem but with a different twist you have people who are going out it's it's kind of you know when they go to try halal food it's like the one time that month that they're going out to have quote-unquote ethnic food or let's try some halal ethnic food or something of that sort and so they'll go there and it might be terrible and they'll actually give it very good reviews so you kind of have these two extremes that you've got to be aware of it's very important that you cross-reference the two that you go through the reviews on a site like zabia.com where you you know you might find a few useful reviews And you also cross-reference it with Yelp. And you look at the pictures, you look at the general reviews, and from there you can get a a good feel for them, uh, for the restaurant. There are some restaurants that are quote-unquote unicorn restaurants. And those are the ones that have a very high rating, uh, both in terms of the actual star number, but also high in meaning in the volume, like the number of actual ratings. So they have... A high rating star level and a large number of people reviewing it on Zabiha and a high star rating and a large number of people reviewing it on Yelp as well. If you can find those restaurants, that's the place to go. Back to the story at hand. So Adam and I went into the restaurant 
and we ordered one uh, burger, this particular burger that the Twitter user, uh, Brother Adil D, uh, to keep him anonymous, actually that might be too obvious, uh, Brother A, uh, Databoy, uh, had recommended to us that particular burger. We tried it, we split it, we shared it, and here's what we thought after. All right, so we just exited uh, said halal establishment and tried this particular burger that was highly recommended to us. Highly recommended. Very highly recommended on, to us on Twitter. Uh, uh, so high, the best, the best burger in DFW, the best halal burger in DFW, mind you. Halal or non-halal? Yes, that is true. Okay, and what's very interesting is that. Uh, it had pineapple on it, which I'm a fan of pineapple until talking to uh, expert uh, Saqib Shafi who said that extra toppings are usually made to cover up a bad tasting burger. Spoiler alert. More to come on this later. Get back to the conversation. All that said, what was the verdict? Did this halal burger stack up Adam, what are your thoughts? Uh, so very honestly, I was I was trying to keep an open mind, and it's not a like it's not a bad burger, but it's also not great either. If that makes any sense, I've had worse like halal burgers, if you will. Um, but they it's can't just, they can't see your air quotes on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it just it just it like I I don't see myself ever going there again to get a, like. When I say halal burger, that's not some place I would I would go back again. Uh, it wasn't like that. It just it just didn't impress me at all. And what were your thoughts? The same. I thought it was very underwhelming. I didn't think that it was good. And I think the lesson here, the real lesson in all of this, because we have to have a point. You know, why we're wasting everyone's time with this discussion is don't believe everything on Twitter. Yes. I think that's a very important takeaway, especially. When it comes to food, I agree, and, and I will say about this about this about the burger. I'm not trying to be a snob, where I was looking for like a crust and like a bunch of other stuff. Like I don't expect that stuff from a halal place or a Zebia place, uh, but it's just it's just I wasn't. I mean, it wasn't impre- I wasn't impressed with the burger. Okay. So over verdict, underwhelming, not a good burger. I would. I don't ever see myself going there to get food, unless like someone went and got it, then I might eat it. But. Uh, like don't chop up the lettuce and then put it in the burger. Like give me an entire like piece of lettuce. Like they, they threw like chopped vegetables and threw it on the burger. That's just not. And if you're gonna say you're a pineapple on a burger, like have the entire pineapple on there. Not don't give me like pineapple chunks that you get out of a can and throw it on a burger. That's just that's not how it works. I'm sorry. Shots fired. All right. Yeah. Um, I I think they won't ask us for a sponsorship anymore after <laughs> after that. But uh, uh, to brother Adil on Twitter. Uh, if you were trolling us, well done. <laughs> you win. Uh, a thousand internet points, I think that's fair. Yep. Uh, but hey, we tried it. But now we are actually on our way to try the Impossible Burger at a good burger joint. Yep. Uh, the Impossible Burger, for those of you who don't know, is a plant-based burger that's supposed to taste exactly like meat. Uh, therefore... Whether you follow the opinion of eating zabiha only or not is irrelevant because 
it is vegetarian and we're going to try it uh and we'll be giving it to you from a couple of different types of place of expertise uh first as burger eaters and actually and i'm gonna put him on the spot here adam as a former former vegetarian <laughs> yes a former vegetarian i did vegetarian last year for three or four months so it'll be interesting to see filled with a sense of what your parents might say i'm not mad but i'm disappointed we were disappointed as we got into adam's car and began the drive to hop dotty word of our burger exploits began to spread quickly around town via text message and so a couple of folks said that they wanted to join us at hop dotty to try this new impossible burger and so we made plans we changed plans but finally we ended up at hop dotty and let's take it from there oh boy okay go ahead <laughs> I mean, before I heard anything, I told Waleed, I honestly don't care what you guys have to say. That's the greatest compliment we've ever gotten. <laughs> it fits in with the theme. <laughs> and why does it fit in with your theme? Because nobody cares. Nobody cares. That first voice you heard, that was Brother Thahir. We had no idea he was coming. He showed up at the last second, but we appreciate his insight. You also heard Brother Khalid, who had started eating Zabiha only just two days ago and wasn't able to enjoy a primetime burger from Hop Dottie alongside the Impossible Burger. But as we sat and we ordered our burgers, the conversation unfolded. I'm like, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I don't care what you guys have to say. Like, seriously, just because you think it tastes good doesn't mean anything for me. Yeah, yeah. Because other, other times you go by people's reviews and you go, you're like, oh, gee, boys, I should avoid besides, a place. I'll go to a place. You go there and you find out, no, man, your yeah. opinion sucks, and they just don't know what they're talking oh, about. This is more than that, actually. You know, most people when they're doing reviews, they got paid for it. Yeah, I don't know how much these guys are getting paid over here. Yeah, there's some kickbacks. Yep. The other voice you heard there was Brother Walid, who was ironically talking about people's opinion sucking and I say ironic because he showed up wearing Crocs and just for the record we are most definitely not getting paid to produce this podcast I wish we were though I mean it's a million times better than the Impossible Burger say that again it's a million times better than the Impossible Burger yeah that's, that's <laughs> I mean but that goes without saying the other thing is there's a lot of meat in here yeah like, they did, definitely did not skimp on the meat um, it's not overcooked, so it's like still moist, but it's not really well spiced. Like there's not much in it. Um, so I don't know. And then, kind of the overall presentations, I think a little more cheese would probably be helpful. The, the sausage onions are great. The peppers are wonderful kick in there. But he's right. There's some other burger patties we've had that have um, better um, flavor to the meat. You know when they say that we just want to taste the beef. It's, it, it's got to be a little bit more than just salt in there. Mm. That was the desi uncle take. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, did you want my desi accent? I can do that too. Let's go. <laughs> that is the. No one's gonna believe it though. That that is that masala in there. That 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 is that is that is literally. I want my burger to taste like a kebab. Yeah. yeah. Not just oh that, but it's got to be zabia. You know. We didn't really record a whole lot more while we were eating. It was getting kind of strange holding this recorder in everyone's face while we're trying to eat burgers like we're some social media influencers with millions of followers or something like that. When we were done eating, though, and we stepped outside, Adam and I debriefed. 
Alright, so we just finished trying uh, an Impossible Burger and a regular burger side by side. The Impossible Burger is the plant-based... Vegetarian. Vegetarian, but it's supposed to have the same texture and taste and feel as beef. Yeah. Uh, Adam, what did you think of the Impossible Burger? Um, it was good. Definitely better than the Halal Burger that we tried. Um, but I, I can understand the, 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 what they're trying to do as far as the meat replacement. Uh, but just not quite there yet. But good, 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 good try though. Good try. Uh, good try is a... That about sums it up. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would order it again. I'd probably stick with the the beef. But if you're a vegetarian, I guess, and you want to know what beef tastes like, this might be a good... Uh, or, or if you're just missing a hamburger, if you're a vegetarian and just miss a hamburger and you want to get it, eh, it's, it's, it's the, the, it'll, it'll compare. But it's just... It's a good try. But at least it's uh, Zabiha compliant. So there's That's that. True. That's true. Okay. And that was our journey trying what we were told was the best halal burger in Dallas, as well as the Impossible Burger. But that's not where this episode ends. We're just now getting to the meat of the episode. See what I did there? Remember I told you that we had two special guests coming on the pod? Well, the first one's up right now. Our interview with Muslim eater Saqib Shafi. Assalamualaikum, everybody. We are Adam Tofik and I are joined by Saqib Shafi, aka the Muslim Eater, aka Internet Award winner for halal meat. Uh, if wow. you've ever enjoyed Creekstone beef, please make dua for Saqib as you owe him a debt of gratitude, inshallah. Saqib, how's it going? Alhamdulillah, how are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. So, we want to talk to you about uh, not just halal burgers, but burgers in general. Uh, we see you posting a lot, uh, replicating things like the Shake Shack Burger and In-N-Out Burger. Uh, tell us a little bit about your burger journey. <laughs> sure. So it, uh, it kind of began maybe bef- way before Creekstone, but I had like a, I want to become a fat type of phase, meaning I just want to eat burgers all the time. Uh, and I stumbled upon some food blogs. So I really got into a little bit of home cooking. And I saw this guy who was always trying to replicate some of the top burger joints or even just pizza joints or whatever. And him and some others, they recognized that there were some really good food places in New York or in California or wherever it might be. And their whole mission was how can we replicate this at home? And I would be reading these things out of interest and then kind of realizing that, wait, I can do the same thing, follow their procedures, but being a Muslim, only eats halal like i can just use halal meat and end up at the same result so what it kind of did for me is it opened up my eyes that this is my way of eating that forbidden non-halal burger for me in a halal way now the caveat is i never know if it truly tastes like the real deal but um, we can get into it later i was able to verify that some of the tests that i had i would have people come and taste it who had the non-halal version they were able to verify that it ended up being pretty close to what was there. So just trying to m- mimic the In-N-Out Burger, the Shake Shack Burger, all sorts of different burgers. I ended up finding out how to pull it off at home. So I think I have an idea of what a good burger might taste like. Nice. Nice. 
So what, what are the key characteristics of a good burger? Where, you know, if someone wants to, someone's sitting here saying, okay, well, I've only got halal burgers available in my city that aren't very good. How do I know I'm getting a good quality hamburger? So, hmm, that's tough. Basically, if you're not, first of all, if you're what we call Z only, Zabiha only, or you only eat halal slaughtered, halal certified meat-based burgers, you're already at a disadvantage because you truly don't know what it's like um, if if you've never eaten the you know the real deal. Where you guys, uh, I think both of you, if I'm not mistaken, have that ability because you have eaten yeah. or you do. We can, we can definitely taste oh, yeah. test and verify for you whenever you need. There, there you go. So off the bat, you have to kind of go in knowing that you don't really have you as in the halal only eater you're never truly going to know and whatever you have probably will never taste as good. There's just an unfortunate handicap that we have, which is the halal restaurant that it's servicing a bunch of Muslims. Most of these Muslims are immigrants or from immigrant families or your second generation. You've never experienced it. And whatever they give you, you're just going to think, Oh, this must be what it is. It's probably pretty good. If not, you know, at worst, like a C plus, and then you end up walking away thinking like, okay, that's exactly what I've been missing my whole life. And I think it was great. When in reality, you're just, you know, ignorance is bliss. You have no idea. There's no like matrix moment where they've given you the red pill and they unplug you. And you don't realize that you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what real food is or real burger is. So I just want to start by saying that, that before you, I can say, well, it has to have this, this, and this. If you're a halal-only person, you're kind of handicapped if you're going to eat at a restaurant because you're at the mercy of the restaurant. And, and half the time, it's masala spiced and all yeah. that. Yeah. So. And they kind of does with the clientele, too. People who come in there, they're used to eating biryani or lamb kebabs or shawarma or whatever. So for them to venture into the Western burger world, the restaurants will kind of make it, you know, something in between a very fully American burger experience and like a bun kebab you might get in Karachi or something like that. So what when so I'm assuming you try to get high quality meat at home. Yeah. Uh, I, I learned actually a new word last night. Okay. Burgers gristle. Oh. So uh, apparently if the meat is not ground correctly or it's the wrong part of the animal yeah then it gets someone like the tendons and stuff in there and so when you're yeah. chewing the burger you get those bits that you have to spit out yep and um the brother that was enlightening us about gristle was saying that a lot of the halal places have too much gristle in their burgers i didn't know that yeah that could just be what are they where are they sourcing their meat from um like if i guess if we want to get into it the places that have high quality meat they will grind certain cuts of the cow so if you assume you're looking at a diagram of the cow and where all the different parts of the cow, of, of the meat on the cow exist, whether it's like from the shoulder area or it's along the back or even like towards the butt end of the cow or even in like the legs, what we call the shanks, all these different parts of meat, you might see them in the meat store. Those different parts of the beef have different characteristics. <clears throat> so maybe the assumption is that whatever the halal, like the not so great halal burger that a person's eating or this gristle, you don't know what or who or how that meat was provided. Do they just give you that person scraps? They use those scraps to make the grind. That grind ended up 
being formed into a burger patty fried and put into your sandwich that gets delivered to you or gets serviced to you at your restaurant. So sometimes we don't really think. We just think, oh, it's beef. It's just a restaurant. It should just work. But there's a lot more to it. So there's, so, there's more than just the who and how. So 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 you walk into a halal meat store. What are the things that you do or what are the things you ask? So I, I guess sign number one of a good meat shop is that there's a butcher there who is willing and able to grind, especially grind certain cuts of meat for your burger. So when you walk into a halal meat store, what is your preference for the parts of the animal to grind for a burger? And what is your fat to to meat preference? Good question. So preference, my, my go-to preference would be a 50-50 ratio, one-to-one ratio of chuck to sirloin. So chuck is what they call beef shoulder. And that's coming from the shoulder part of the, the steer. And then sirloin is somewhere along like the backside. It's like the very tender, not as fatty, not as uh, unctuous part of the meat. But when you combine the two, it turns out to be a nice balance of a burger grind. So I happen to have a really nice halal uh, meat shop. It's called Mediterranean Market here in the west suburbs of Chicago. Like you can go in there and ask for any cut of the cow. And if they'll either have it or they'll say, I'm sorry, we can get it to you by tomorrow. So I'll go in there and I'll say, hey, can I, I'll order it like the following. Can I get two pounds of ground beef? Can you make it half chuck, which is beef shoulder, half sirloin? So the guy I know he's going to pull out pieces of chuck not already ground like there's there it's pieces of beef shoulder and he'll pull out pieces of beef sirloin he'll take them he'll cube them up he'll toss them so they're evenly incorporated and then he'll put it through the grinder before he does that i say can you make it a medium grind because if you know what a grinder looks like this is a giant machine that you push all your meat into and it grinds it into like those spaghetti like strings right there's a dial plate at the end of the grinder and the dial has certain sized holes like diameter width. There's a coarse grind. So it comes out very coarse. There's a fine grind, which is I think the default in my halal shop. I asked for a medium grind. And then I asked him, can you grind it twice? So there's multiple things going on here. One is I'm dialing in the ratio and the type of meat from a cow that I want. Two, I want it to have a certain size. It's a medium grind. It's not too fine, not too coarse. And then three, I tell them, once you grind it through, throw that grind back into the grinder and just run it for me again. So everything gets nice and fully ground. If there's that gristle you're talking about, it's just going to get integrated into it. I take it home, and as soon as I can, I fry it up into a burger patty. Nice. So, okay. So, so step number one, you go to halal meat store. Number one, I think sign number one is if, if there's a butcher there to, who can actually grind the meat for you. So, so, so what is your preference on, on fat to meat? Like, do you do 85, 15 or what is your preference on that? So I answered it in terms of cuts. So okay. I, I decided to not technically not answer the question, but in a way I did. Um, the, they always say eat 80, 20, which means 80% of like when you take, your ground beef, if it's technically 80% lean, they call it, or 80-20, if you were to weigh that amount of beef, like let's say a, like a pound, or like let's say 100 grams of, of beef, which is almost like four ounces, 100 grams by weight, 80% of it would be meat mass, and 20% of it would be fat mass. So the 80 grams technically would be actual meat, and the 20% would be beef fat. 
So that's like the magical ratio that tends to work where it's just fat enough to be nice and juicy and not be dry, but it's not too fatty where when you're cooking it, all the fat renders out of the patty and then you just have shriveled up meat. that's not very voluminous, so to speak. So, but I found that using half chuck, which is pretty fatty on its own, maybe it's naturally 70, 30, 70% lean, 30% fat and mixing in it with sirloin gives me that balance I want of almost close to 80, 20. Okay. Got it. So you, you take the meat home. Do you do any pre-seasoning to your meat before you, before you start grilling it? Do you put any spices there in there or do you, are you a salt and pepper person? Salt and pepper person. And this is where our Muslim community can, um, maybe learn a couple things. We're so used to making kebabs because that's what we grew up making back home or at least our parents did. And what we're used to when we think of halal meat, ground beef type of applications, kebabs. And there's and nothing kebab, wrong with kebabs, by the way, just to clarify. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. A good kebab. Make sure I got that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good kebab is very similar in that you want to have nice, good quality meat, nice amount of fat, but not too much fat. And the difference though is you season it ahead of time. So I'm not talking like pepper, cumin or any spices the word season technically only really refers to salt so you want to salt your kebab meat ahead of time that's why some people they'll make a large batch of kebab meat they'll add their onions and spices and cilantro and whatever else they're putting in but the main thing is the salt goes in and it sits in the meat sometimes overnight sometimes they'll make it a day in advance when salt gets in contact with raw meat it changes its like chemical proper, its physical properties. And there's like a lot of nerdy stuff you can read about it online. The difference though is let's say you took a burger patty and you salted it the day before you cooked it. And then you took another burger patty, same size, you salted it right before you grilled it for a burger. The two different burgers would taste the same because it's just meat and salt, beef and salt, but they would feel different. Their texture would be different. One of them would be very kebab-like. The patty would be kind of springy. If you were to squeeze it, it would stay together. It might be juicy, but if you were to like lift the burger out and hold it from the tip and kind of let it dangle from your fingers, it would stay intact. Whereas the one that you salted just before cooking, if you try to do that, the whole thing would fall apart, which might not sound like the best thing, but actually for a burger, that's what you want the texture should be almost like it falls apart in your mouth as you eat it inside the bun. And that's why you stuff it into a bun. So to answer your question, I don't season the meat until just before cooking. What I'll do is I'll bring it home, I'll form it into patties just before it hits either my grill or more likely my, my indoor pan, like a cast iron skillet. I add all the salt on both sides of the patties and I start cooking right away. And I add enough where it, it would be the same amount if I had mixed it in. You put it all over one side and put it all over another side. Oh, you mentioned cast iron skillet. So here's, if if I don't have a barbecue grill, what's the best uh, tool to use to cook the burger meat on? Cast iron skillet is kind of the way to go. It's basically like a flat top griddle. So we're uh, bringing it back to restaurants. If you see like videos of how they make burgers, um, the famous ones are like Shake Shack or In-N-Out, but even like, like the usly burger, like it's kind of silly, but you can look up videos of like the 1930s burgers that were made in America. It's just a giant flat top, like any restaurant would have. And then they just take a mound of meat and they just smash it on the, the flat top. 
And what ends up happening is as the burger is cooking and it's got fat in there, that fat starts to melt or render out. And then that bottom side of the, the meat that's like slammed and pressed against that flat top, it starts to fry in its own beef fat. And then by the time that gets nice and brown and looks really good and smells good, the guy flips it, he pops it with cheese and he puts it on the bun. I prefer what that's what we call that a griddled burger. I prefer that because that frying part where the beef fat comes out and just makes it really nice and tasty, you can't get that on a grill. On a grill, it goes on grates because you've, you've turned on your grill with charcoal or even if it's propane, you get nice grill marks, but all that fat that renders out, it falls into the grill, whether it falls under the charcoal or it falls into like the, wherever the propane tank has, or the propane grill has a, a catcher for the juices. It doesn't fry the bottom of the patty the same way. So my go-to would be to use a pan or to use like some sort of wide griddle. Even I would put that on a grill because then I have the heat of the grill, but I get that nice pressed fried patty that otherwise would be lost if it falls into the grill. I mean, it's not just call it what it is. It's, it's a good crust on the burger. That's yeah, yeah it's a good yeah. crust. You can pull it off on a grill, but you have to really know what you're doing. It's just so foolproof that you can just smash it on a pan and call it a day. And you're going to get that nice fried crispy burger. Nice. And then, now this is the uh, question that will create a lot of division in our community. Well done, medium, Ooh. rare. Where are mm. you on the uh, cooked versus pink scale? Okay. So I'm actually all over. Um, I've had well done burgers that are just mind blowing. They're so good. And then I've had well done burgers that were very dis- disappointing. Then I've had medium rare burgers that are so tasty. Then I've had medium rare burgers that are just kind of like, man, this just feels mushy. And I really think it's, it comes down to how big and thick the patty is. So if you, let's say you, you go to like a fancy pants restaurant, like some steakhouse where they are serving huge, enormous steaks. If they offer a burger more likely than not, it'll be a very large burger. It'll be some half pound burger patty. And they'll say that we're using the best quality meat, the, the meat that we would otherwise use for a steak we're going to grind it and serve it to you in the form of a burger. That size where it's like the burger patty might be two inches tall or something absurd, I have found that you want that to be medium rare. It just tends to work out nicer that way. Whereas a thin patty would be more like a diner style burger, maybe it's even two really thin patties that in together they equal four ounces, it's like two small two ounce patties. They're both smashed ultra thin, they're not going to retain their juiciness and become medium rare. They'll overcook a little bit. What you do though, is you cook them, you put a slice of American cheese between the two of them, and then you put on your burger. So what you have are like these two ultra crispy patties. Maybe they're not the juiciest thing in the world, but in between you have that ultra melty fake American cheese. So it's almost like a grilled cheese sandwich and the bun are two burger patties and that goes into a bun with mayo and whatever else you want and it just tastes amazing so you have an example of something that's well done tastes great and you have an example of something that's medium rare and on that fancy pants medium rare burger they're going to put some fancy cheddar cheese or like crumble feta or something like that two different ways to enjoy the same meat but the answer is depends on the type of burger you want 
Yeah, good answer. Um, so, so you have the burger done. Um, I think what's common is a lot of people overdo it with toppings. What is your what is your preference on on toppings on a burger? Because I've seen people just go nuts with toppings. Yeah, I mean, why do you think people are going to town with toppings? Like, there's something they're trying to make up for. And what, what do you think it is? <laughs> a bad burger. Yeah. So if if the foundation is off, you got to make up for it. Like lipstick on a pig. Right, but at the end of the day, it's still a pig. But in this case, we I guess we would not. We don't that. eat the pig, though. Yeah, we don't eat the pig. Just, just to clarify for everyone. Okay, so we'll say kohol uh, <laughs> on a on a steer or something like that. Yeah, there right? we go. There we go. So, end of the day, if your burger patty, which is the most important part, if that's not great, if you're not walking out or like within your first bite thinking, oh my god, this meat is so tasty, well cooked. And what's on the top of my mind, you've already gone wrong. Like a lot of times, the ketchup mayo combination was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Or well, the sauce is awesome. Or they they stuffed this burger with like mozzarella sticks and a fried chicken patty. Like I've seen that in halal restaurant. I've seen pictures where people would say, "I went to this awesome halal burger spot." Oh, can you tell me about it? And it's just like this Jenga tower burger with like three different meals in one i don't want mashed potatoes and chicken parmesan on my burger i just want bun patty cheese maybe pickles mayo lettuce tomato give me a burger not a five course you know fast food meal so it, it, it comes down to a little bit of simplicity if i want a diner burger which is that smashed crispy american cheese burger i definitely want pickles i want mayo maybe some sort of like burger sauce or secret sauce, but I'm definitely a lettuce and tomato type of guy too. I want, I want that classic looking American burger. Um, maybe some caramelized onions. That's kind of the way to go. I was, I was really influenced by In-N-Out and Shake Shack and I've tried to marry the two into my favorite home burger. Nice. What's the, let me do a little bit of wrap up here. What's the best halal burger you've had that you didn't make? Mm, let's say so I have had Shake Shack there was a time in Chicago when they first came out uh, they were about to open and everyone was on their case like are you guys using Creekstone and they were actually very open about it so the moment that they confirmed it Muslims came and, and like, like an army of Muslims showed up <laughs> and I actually went there beforehand just to kind of test it out and the management was very open about it and then when I think when we came in hordes they kind of closed it up. They they stopped yeah. confirming that it was Creedstone. Very typical. Yeah. That's like Chick-fil-A here had a, a uh, one halal supplier and they, they ruined it, man. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. I, I remember when hearing about that, but we were I didn't hear any follow-up and other people were commenting. No, because you know how our community is. There's all these uncles just calling up Chick-fil-A restaurants, talking 15-year-olds, being like, is your meat halal? Yeah. You're like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. You ruined it so, for me. I liked Shake Shack. It was good. And then it's, I, I found that my home version was, at least to me, tasted better. But that was a really good burger. I've never had In-N-Out because I haven't found it halal. Um, the best one I've had is probably, like I mentioned, a steakhouse in Chicago. They're called Prime and Provision. They make like that bigger gourmet pub style burger where it'd be like a six to eight ounce patty, a nice toasty brioche bun. Apparently they're using very high quality meat and I thought it was pretty good. And then they added like a really nice slice of fancy cheddar cheese, which was aged like one or two years. 
if it's they claimed it was fantasy we we're in a fancy restaurant off of um wacker drive you can see chicago river it was summer i took my wife it, it, it was it lived up to what it tried to be it was very good nice and just fyi i've actually got shake shack above in and out in my power rankings okay <laughs> if you can somehow marry the two which you can do in your home kitchen it, it's like the best of both worlds because people always again this is me like not knowing anything because i've never had them technically like non-halal right other than that one chicago incident so this is just reading things and i'm reading all these people um no in and out's better no shake shack's better and then you find on the internet what if we were to combine the two and i think uh, this is used to be when Shake Shack was only in New York and In-N-Out was only in California. Shake Shack uh, has expanded since, and now they're open in LA. So I think people now are like ordering the burger within 10 minutes of each other and driving them together and reassembling and eating. I don't know. You can do it. I, I've, I've personally done that with five guys and In-N-Out. I've done a back-to-back tasting. Okay, now that you mention it, the best burger I've ever had not at home is five guys in, in Mecca. Thank you. That was like, we finished, I went for Umrah last year with, with Morrison, which is our special needs advocacy uh, organization. Nice plug for them there. The moment we finished Umrah, we walked straight to, in, uh, to five guys and we had a burger and I was very. But, but I will, I will say this, the halal food, like in Saudi, like smash burger in Mecca was good. Smash burger here. I would never voluntarily go and eat. <laughs> okay. And it could just be relativity. Like you're in Mecca or you're in Saudi. So yeah, but the five guys was exactional. I was shocked how good it was. And but, but I, I, I will, I will say the Sakib's that mean Omar disagree about this. I have five guys on the top of my power rankings for burgers. So, okay. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe there's a quality issue or just operational issue between <laughs> a Gulf and America. I don't know because I don't bother with non-halal burgers. I'll just leave it at that. All right. All right. Any uh, closing? Actually, just let everyone know where they can find, find and follow your, uh, your stuff on social media. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. My handle is Saqib S. Shafi, and my website is MuslimEater.com. And there's a couple of articles I've written on burgers. I actually have a recipe on my, my blog, MuslimEater.com, how to make a halal in and out burger. And the story behind it is, is fun. You can read about it. I basically went to San Francisco for vacation and i drove past all these in and outs and i was very depressed and i thought to myself like why should i be sad i'll just make it at home and that's kind of how the journey began awesome we can probably post on the notes and everything so yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll link everyone up to your stuff and uh i'm in sakalakir yep sakalakir guys please make sure you check out sakib's website and we've got one more special guest let's dive right in we're here so, with Dirk oh, Nowitzki fan, check out the Nasser Jangda. Yes, Dirk, the legend Dirk. So, to bring you up to speed on what's been happening in this episode so far. Yes, sir. Uh, Adam and I went off to a uh, halal restaurant, which we're so, not naming because they haven't sponsored the podcast. <laughs> um, but wait, wait, wait. Shouldn't it start a step further back? Didn't it all begin with, like, you guys getting into some internet beef? Yeah, no, we, we... Oh, yeah, we covered Pun it. intended. And I made the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... This is gold. All right. So, so, so <laughs> you guys got into a little bit of, of a heated Twitter exchange, yes. as the sophisticates would call it. Um, and that led to you guys actually going there and trying the burger. Yes. And from 
what I had, I think, initially shared with you, but we just spoke about it off mic. Um, I could have told you that um, to be gentle, because the Prophet would not severely criticize food, because, you know, there's some people who have no food. It is not a burger that I would go out of my way to go and consume. Yeah. And is that fair to say? That's about what we... Yeah. That, if, it's, if it would serve to you, then it's fine to eat, but you wouldn't... Go drive out there, especially from where I live. Let's just say it's about 30 minutes. Yeah. I, that's, that would make no sense. No. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's always better options nearby. And then... Then we tried the Impossible Burger. At Hop Dottie's. Yes. Which I was supposed to be a part of, but I apologize. I couldn't make it. Um, but I, I, how was that? It was okay. Oh, interesting. Plot twist. Plot twist. We thought it was going to taste... It didn't taste exactly like beef. There was a noticeable difference. Yeah, if it didn't walk and talk, brother. But it tasted better than any vegetarian burger I've ever had. Really? Better than the better than any other veggie patty. Okay. You want me you want me I'll do you one there? Let's I've never it. had a veggie patty in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Yeah. If beef's not available, I'm not going to eat a veggie patty. I'd rather just eat fries, drink a shake, and just call it a day. That's usually a better option. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, apparently y'all spoke to the legend? We did. Really? Saqib Shafi, Muslim eater. And he gave us the whole load on how to actually make a good burger. So, I will tell you, there's just, you know, I, I can probably think of like four or five burgers that I've had that I was like, wow, that's a really great burger, right? At, at like restaurants, at establishments, you know, just, I'll get to this in just a minute, just a disclaimer, I am strictly Z, I just grew up that way and I feel comfortable doing that. So, even places that accommodate the Z, um, I can probably think of four or five places where I've had a really, really good burger, but to date, the best burger I've probably ever had that I enjoyed the most was actually made by Mr. Saqib himself. And that's believable. Yeah. I, I, I went to his house, he grilled me a burger, and I was like... Uh, and I usually, I, I'm a big guy for anybody who's seen me, uh, but I surprisingly don't have a really large, like I don't have the capacity to eat a lot at one time. Um, so I normally eat one burger and I'm done. I've never been able to eat two burgers, but I remember requesting a second burger at his place. Yeah. It was that right. good. <laughs> and interestingly, I spoke to him a lot about what makes such a good burger. So he told me the kind of meat to order get it fresh and he told me exactly how you know how thick to make the patties then he talked to me about exactly how to cook it i have you know he was on charcoal i have a propane you know tank uh grill at home so he explained to me how to cook ideally on a propane grill i followed his formula to the t and i have to say and this is gonna sound really conceited but the second best burger i've ever had is was was my own but that's because it's not really something I made. You go. I just got yeah, the ground you just beef. The formula. I just I got the ground beef. I made it into the patty, the thickness that he instructed. I threw it on the grill. I took it off the grill, put it between two pieces of bread, and I ate it. There you go. And it was glorious. So yeah, that's been my burger kind of, I guess, uh, journey. Yes. Your burger journey. My burger journey. Now the the million dollar question. What makes a burger halal? What makes a burger halal? That's a really, really good question. I guess what I'll basically say is this, right? 
I do think. So there's two things the Quran talks about, right? Halal and tayyiban. Sequence is very important. So it first talks about a halal, then it talks about tayyib. Halal means permissible. The meat is permissible. And tayyib means that it's also good in quality. A lot of people kind of bring up the issue of like, oh, whether it's halal or not, why don't you focus on quality? Well, you have to kind of follow the Quranic sequence. First, you have to make sure it's halal, then you ensure the quality of it. So the halal is the prerequisite. Halal is the prerequisite. So if it's like not something that's disputed, I'm talking about, if it is very clearly haram, like let's just say, you know, it's um, it's got like some, you know, pork mixed in with it, yeah. or I, I know that that's not, I don't even know if that's a real thing, but I'm just talking out loud here. Let's just say it's clear. It's a bacon burger. It's a bacon burger. It's clearly demonstratively like haram. Then somebody trying to make an argument of the quality of the meat is an irrelevant argument. So the grass-fed beef with bacon on it. Is a no-go. No, that person is just not really following the prescription of the Quran. Okay. So halal is the first part of it. Now, halal is a tricky thing, right? Because there is a difference of opinion. And I do have to say, a lot of shade gets thrown around about, well, that opinion that people say is legitimate actually isn't legitimate. I, I can't talk to people like that. Yeah. Because that's kind of like the era we live in now. Here's a fact, fake facts. And it's like, <laughs> I, I can't, we can't even talk anymore. We have no common ground. We have no common ground. Yet. We can't discuss anything. That's a, it's a precept of any conversation, debate, discussion, is that there has to be a set of facts that we agree upon. So if somebody's just going to keep on being like, yeah, but that's not really legitimate, then we can't talk. But from a very, very scholarly point of view, there always has been a difference of opinion about some of the specifics, whether or not the bismillah has to be said or not. Number two, that even if the cut is of a different nature, but as long as it bleeds the animal out, can it actually still be valid or not? There's legitimate, there's legitimate difference of opinion. Accommodating the difference of opinion, I still have to say... I do think it is important for people to start to pay attention to, you know, kind of ver you know, kind of making sure that what they're putting into themselves is actually coming from a halal source. Respective of the different definitions of halal. Right. As long as whatever your definition is, I I, I know some people will still take offense to that. I can't really nobody cares. And, and well this is like my my beef. Yeah. Is uh... a <laughs> Even when I posted my Twitter list, someone said, oh, when are you going to post a, a halal version? Aww. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't be eating it if I thought it was haram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's just, I don't know. I feel like that's very small and very disrespectful. Um, but as long as whatever someone's definition of halal is, I do think it's important for Muslims at some point in their spiritual journey, individual spiritual journey, to start concerning themselves with putting more halal in their bodies. Because it's a part of our ethos. You are what you eat. It will affect your spirituality and well-being spiritually. Then, once we've kind of gotten to that particular point that I can drop, you know, like you said, I can drop the bacon burger. I can... 
avoid the thing that clearly has lard right. you know i can i can go to the state fair and not have the deep fried nachos because it's being fried in lard or yeah. whatever the case is i don't know i don't know by the way i don't know if that's the probably, case probably though yeah probably disclaimer we're from texas yeah. everything is fried in lard right but no so um once somebody has gotten to that particular level of spiritual discipline where they can start to drop, they can start to drop the clearly haram, then the next step of the journey is to start to embrace, embrace excuse me, embrace a more tayyib lifestyle. The word tayyib Allah uses it for the Quran for something that is high in quality. Something that is high in quality. So I think that's the next step. And that's when you'll really start to, as you know, I believe the kids call it, start to make gains. No? I don't know. Okay. Well, these are two old men recording a podcast. It's it's probably something. Something like that. We could look it up on Urban Dictionary. (laughs) But my point is that that's when you'll really, really start to um, improve. You'll really start to make progress spiritually because, you know, like we say anything else, you start praying five times a day, then you start fine-tuning the khushu of your prayer. Six months later, you're in a much better place than you were before. The first thing is you start to reestablish your relationships and then you start to fine-tune your relationships and a year later you're in a much better place than you were before so we're gonna get to a point of compliance with halal regardless of whatever the advice of your imam your scholar your school of thought is to you Um, and then once you get to that point of halal then you can start to fine-tune the tayyib part of it the quality part of it and man six months to a year later you'll just be in a much much uh, better place than you were before so one last question on this you know because we're solving all the fake issues of the oman this podcast but uh Is the presumption of food serve that it is halal by default or haram by default? And the reason that I ask this is because there's, you know, we all know that dude that goes to a, goes to a restaurant yeah. and then asks for, to see receipts. Yeah. Like, and we don't mean metaphorically like Twitter terminology, but actually see the receipts of the meat yeah, purchases. Yeah, like walk into the back. Or they'll go to someone's house and ask them, where did you get this meat yeah, from? Yeah, they'll berate the owner or berate the host. Um, no, so, so from a technical point of view, philosophically, food, like vegetables, fruits, things like that, breads, etc., etc., grains, the default of those things is that they are halal. The default for meat is that it is not halal by default. Okay. There's only one reason for that. Because it used to be a living, breathing creature. So because of the sacredness of life. Hmm. And that's why, like, if I, um, you know, an animal that doesn't need to be hunted, like a cow. If I was just, or a goat, let's say, right? If I'm standing here and I just kind of, like, take a shotgun and I, like, blow a goat's head off. That animal is not halal to eat because of how I violated that creature. And I will be held accountable for violating the life of that creature on the day of judgment. So that's why to ensure that 
that life was taken in a respectful manner, in an appropriate manner, not for sport, but for need, for food, for consumption. That's why the default of a piece of meat, like a raw, somebody just throws down a big chunk of meat on the table. The default of that is not halal. The default of that is haram. First of all, I don't know what animal it's been cut out of. And I don't know if that animal was like, was like killed for game or was found dead by the road. Or what the deal was. That's why. However, however, once there is a context, once there is what's called the karina, there is a context, then the context can dictate that in this scenario, in this context, the presumption is halal. So if you go like on Hajj. <laughs> <laughs> like Ahmed's meat shop with a giant halal sticker in it, with like everybody and their grandmother, literally, right? And you like walk into the restaurant with the owner after Juma. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm back there interrogating him. That is not a proper course of action. Going to my Muslim neighbor, Muslim friend, cousin, uncle, aunt, neighbor, whatever's house, and then creating a scene and an issue. Now, if they, I know very clearly that this person buys their meat from somewhere where I'm not comfortable eating the meat from there, for instance, or they tell me that, that's a different story. But... If there's no clear declaration of that, then all of a sudden creating a scene and an issue, I do not agree with that at As, all. For the record, like people who buy meat that's not behind their home, they usually t- they're very forthright. Oh, in yeah. And just saying, hey, this meat came from Kroger. Yeah, I, I have I I've no I've but, had a buddy in the but past. I've never known anyone to like slip in non Zabiha <laughs> meat like just to fool somebody. I've I've had a buddy in the past who just basically was kind of like, look. If you're particular about Z, then I wouldn't, you know, have the chicken, but you can have the beef. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. I appreciate it. But again, I'm not going to create a scene. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't agree with that course of action at all. Okay. Cool. So, Rab, any last comments? Uh, no. This is the Nobody Cares podcast, so everything flies. Everything goes. No, I just want to... I just... There's one particular thing. I am not kind of like a super... Uh, I, I have decent taste. I know good food when I eat it and stuff, but I'm not like a super, super crazy foodie. I'm not really a lot... Really heavily into cooking and all that kind of stuff. So, sometimes I do find that culture a little bit kind of overindulgent. But I do have to say, I do appreciate Saqib for kind of... You know, re kind of, uh, kind of like, you know, reminding me, kind of like bringing it back to kind of the fourth, uh, the forefront of my mind that when you look back at some of our parents' generation, grandparents' generation, they were so fond of like cooking and eating at home. Yeah. And sometimes growing up, I kind of assumed that he, that was either just because they were like Daisy or they were fobs or they were cheap or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden when the halal scene kind of takes off and there's a lot of halal restaurants, you, you kind of go crazy for a little while. Yeah. Eat out here, eat out there. And like five nights a week you're eating out, which financially does destroy you. But sec- oh, and health-wise too. Health-wise. And then... When you kind of like go back home and you start and you talk to somebody smart like Saqib who gives you like good little tips and things like that. And you start cooking at home and you enjoy cook good clean food at home and you enjoy it at home with no noise and not waiting in line and with your family and things like that. It really reminds you of the actual reason why a lot of times previous generations were so big 
on kind of like cooking at home and eating at home uh, because you're reminded of that. So just, uh, mashallah, Muslim Eater uh, does a really good job of highlighting that. So I appreciate that. Awesome. All right. Episode two of the Nobody Cares podcast is officially in the books. We really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, you can send it to Adam or myself uh, at Adam Tofik on Twitter and Instagram or at Ibn Abi Umar on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you think. Give us your feedback. If you've got any ideas for a future Nobody Cares podcast, let us know. When the next episode is coming out, we have no idea and we really don't think anybody cares. I think that wraps it up. Any, uh, <laughs> any closing comments? Uh, nobody cares about my closing comments, so... That's a wrap.